I was the worst employee, by the way. I'd never showed up on time. I had no idea of these lingos, right? There's conversations that need to happen along the way. There's always a sacrifice, but there's always an opportunity. Welcome to Startups and Unicorns with Belinda Agnew, your home to learn all things funding, scaling, talent, branding, and the billion-dollar dream. Finding out how to be a unicorn in a field of horses. Hear from industry founders and discover how to stand out to those who matter most to your business. With your host, tech startup fanatic, Belinda Agnew. Welcome to another episode with your host, B, Startup and Unicorns. I cannot believe we are in 2023 and I am extremely fucking nervous. I've literally done this introduction 10 times because I just don't know what to say or how to say it or introduce this solo episode. All I can say in one liner, I'm not going to overcomplicate it because sometimes I can rant on and talk really fast when I get nervous. This is the most vulnerable, intimate podcast episode I have ever done. I'm just here to be real with you. Thank you so much for everybody submitting their questions and I will get through most of them. But this is the first solo episode I've done. So please bear with me (laughs) and don't overpick or overjudge. A few came in, a lot to do with relationships. A lot came through on the femininity and masculine energy and what I thought about that. A lot of people ask questions around business and how I got into the position I am today and how that kind of came about. So I really want to talk about that. So let me just kind of start with a question that came in recently. I thought it was a really good one. So I might just start with that. So the first question is, I'd love to fully understand further how you make a living, example, multiple income streams, and how you got into it, studies, etc. Also tips for a solo woman startup creating my pitch for investors in 2023. I really love this question because it kind of gives me a gateway to open up about my journey, where I started. I had no choice growing up. I was in survival mode pretty much all my life. If you had asked me two years ago about being a woman founder or a woman in business, I'd probably have a different answer to it till today. I'm so all for the feminine and masculine energies and the polarities around that more so than ever in the last 12 months. And that's something I'll talk on a little bit later. But I started because I had no choice. I had to survive. I had to make money to literally buy food, pay my way through life at a really young age. So how I started isn't probably what I would suggest to most people, but how I started is something I'll be forever grateful for because It was probably one of the highlights in my life and in business and why I'm so fucking hungry and why I do what I do. So I literally started selling Kirby vacuum cleaners, which sold for like three and a half thousand dollars back in the day. And I was like door knocking, selling to consumers these three and a half thousand (laughs) dollars vacuum cleaners. And 
I cannot tell you the rejection that I was getting on a daily basis. But in between that, I was getting these wins and the wins were just giving me more fire and more motivation to just want to keep knocking. And I just had this addiction where I couldn't stop until I like hit a KPI or hit a certain goal or a target in my head. And at the time it was commission only. I was around 17 years old, I believe, when I started this job. That was kind of my like first job. And from that, I found that I was really good at selling. And my skill was people, speaking to people, understanding people, communication skills were really good at that time at such a young age. And I was very good at honing people into a product or making them believe that they would need this product. Then from that, I went into a call center positions. I went into multiple of these. So again, really salesy, cold calling multiple of businesses, small to medium businesses, sometimes enterprise, depending on how big they are, but mostly SMEs, which is small to medium enterprises. And I was selling telco programs. I was selling courses. I was selling event packages. I was selling literally everything over the phone. And I found a gift that I was also really good at was communicating with people on the phone, not only in person, but over the phone. So I was really, really good at sales. I did that for about four years. I don't want to rant on too much. And then from that, I fell into a company called Open Colleges. And for anybody that doesn't know Open Colleges, they're essentially an e-learning platform that sell courses to consumers to upskill or want to get into a course or career direction or change or, or what have you. My job was to sell courses on the phone to consumers. Leads were given to me. This wasn't cold calling, by the way. So it was like a warm kind of sell. I found myself at the age of 22 at the time that I was really good at selling these courses on the phone and almost like counseling people on their career and their direction. I was very good at motivating and like mentoring these people in their lives. And I really enjoyed it. I was the worst employee, by the way. I'd never showed up on time. I always left early. In the end, I actually convinced my boss that working from home was better for me. And my sales were much higher working from home, to be honest, because I was bullied um, in the workplace, uh, a lot of politics. So there was like 30 plus salespeople. I was probably one of two females working there. I was the youngest for sure. Everyone was around 30-ish and I was the top performer there. So you can imagine people hated me in the workforce. So I got bullied out of that position and I ended up crying downstairs. I'll never forget it. It was in Sydney and I was just crying, bawling my eyes out. And I was like, oh my God, my life is over. People hate me. Like I'm not likable. Why doesn't anybody like me? Why can't anybody get along with me? I soon realized my team leader came downstairs because obviously he made a clip of every sale that I did because I was under him. And he was convincing me to stay. Like, what can I do? How can I help you? Let's talk. Talk it out. Let's work it out. It was so crazy to the point people were going to the boss's room office at the time and bitching about me. And he would just pull me in and be like, oh, this guy's saying this about you. Don't fucking worry about them. Just go do your life. It was a crazy dynamic. And that's when I realized that I was very different and I needed to get the fuck out of this job. I left the job at the time I was in an eight-year relationship, who now is actually my best friend, Danilo Gravina. He was my partner at the time. And from that moment, I was turning 23. I quit. I went home and I literally was like, what the fuck am I going to do with my life? 
Who am I? What am I doing? And I just kind of lost myself. I didn't know what I was doing, where I was going, what I wanted to do. All I did is I just was in survival mode again. I just went online. I just Googled all these jobs and applications. I ended up applying for this job, this guy called Roberto, who owned a international agency recruiting students internationally into a domestic college. I showed up to this interview, wooed him over. He hired me. I ended up being so good that I convinced him to go into partnership with me in business. One of his biggest partners reached out to me and said, I want you to come work for us. Him and I met and he was the CEO of AIPE Education at the time, which is one of the largest RTOs in Australia, Sydney. And they had like 600 employees at the time. And the CEO, um, Amjad, met with me. We met for coffee at this little cafe downstairs at this hotel. I'll never forget the day. He was like, I want you to come work for me. I would love you to start a new division, selling to corporates and upskilling. I was like, I don't know how I feel about working for anybody anymore. However, I would love to start a division or do something with you and go into partnership. How about I start my own business, do something within corporate or what have you, you support me and back me financially. That was literally it. That's how my entrepreneurship started. He said yes. I think it was like a few days later. And I started a company called Open Education. And Open Education was literally my first business. And I was 23, 24. I started that business, scaled that business pretty quickly, actually, to about 20 staff. A lot of my staff were in Manila because a lot of the callings we were doing were selling. So I had hide people in Manila to do this. And I had some people in Australia as well. I got an office at the time, but I never was there because again, I'm like the worst employee ever, even for my own business. Yeah, that's kind of how it happened. And it scaled so quickly. I literally made my first million, I think when I was 25 in that business. And I had no idea what I was doing. I was literally just showing up selling. I didn't know how to manage people. I didn't know who to speak to. I had nobody around me I could speak to. I had no mentors. I had no one to really look up to. I couldn't even speak to Amjad, the guy that I was doing business with, because I felt like I was going to get called out because he looked up to me like I was this amazing talent. And I was like, holy shit, Like all I know what to do is sell. I don't know anything else. I don't know how to run a business. I don't understand the fundamentals of business. I don't understand numbers. I don't even know like what to do with this million dollars in revenue. Like, What am I actually doing? And my profit margins were really high. I think they were like 75% at the time. So there wasn't really much overheads in the business. I think it was a little bit more, to be honest. Because I had no mentorship and I didn't really look to anyone, I literally spent all of it. Most of it, actually. I took trips to USA, first class, five-star, six-star hotels, flew to Dubai, went crazy in Bal Harbor, which is like the famous shopping center in Miami. And I was just like spending $2,000 on shoes, $5,000 on bags. It was just in insane, insane. At the time, I was still with my partner, Danilo, and he was just like, what is happening right now? In that time frame, I literally told my partner to quit his job. You're going to come work for me and we're going to build this together. So I think he lasted about a year and he actually hated it. He ended up leaving because I'm such a control freak and it actually ruined our relationship. And that's probably one of the biggest reasons why we broke up, but we ended up becoming really good friends in the end. So we're 
really civil now. That was the whole dynamic, right? So you can only imagine I was in fully in my masculine energy. I was on all the time. I couldn't switch off. I was like ADHD, go, 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 go. I couldn't stop. That business went really well. From there, the RTO and the legislation in the government stopped, actually. So they announced funding for the RTO um, is now cancelled, so forth and so forth. We went through the whole legislation with the RTOs at the time. I was like, holy fuck, my business is going to go down if I don't figure this shit out right now. So I freaked. I exited what I could. I gave the rest to AIPE, Amjad. So I exited and I broke up with Danilo at the time and I packed my stuff and I moved to Melbourne. And I was like, what are you going to do now? At this time, I think I was around 28. And I had broken up with the love of my life. I literally didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do next, who I was going to look to. I had no friends in Melbourne. I knew no one. All I knew was a few people in the country town. I had no idea what I was doing. I pondered across a platform called LinkedIn, which is now what I live on. Everybody knows that I love LinkedIn. And LinkedIn changed my fucking life, guys. And if you're not on LinkedIn, you are seriously missing out big time, big time, especially if you're in B2B, which is business to business, you're selling to businesses, you are missing out on such huge opportunities. And I think I stumbled across a post of a 30-day challenge. I think at the time it was my girlfriend, Tima Alha. She posted this challenge of the 30 days where you would post every day for 30 days and see how you go on the platform and kind of taste it to see how the platform reacts to your content. So I literally showed up every single day for 30 days posting random stuff. I was regurgitating stuff. I was going on these tangents about random topics. I had no idea what I was doing, to be honest. And I just showed up. From there, I realized, I was like, is this a waste of time or is this not? And I wasn't really getting much traction. I was getting a few likes and a few DMs and I was like, this is a waste of time. I ended up being consistent with it and it ended up working out in the end. Six six to one year later, I ended up blowing up. And then from there, it just kind of went next level. I then DM'd around 50 to 100 recruitment agency owners because recruitment and student recruitment were very much similar to the service offering and how it was happening. So I was like, why don't I recruit talent for corporate companies and then charge them a fee? Is that like a thing? I didn't even know that was a thing. And I ended up meeting with these CEOs of these companies, sitting down, picking their brain, trying to understand the recruitment space. And then I ended up contracting to a company called Red Wolf and Roche, shout out to Bart. And I was there for less than three months, maybe three, four months. And I understood the recruitment process a little bit more, got my head around it. And then I left Red Wolf and Roche. We're both on civil terms now, but we had like a little hiccup at the time because he was like, I can't believe you're going to go and start your own recruitment agency. And like there was this whole headbutting moment. And then I left and I literally started my own recruitment agency, which is called Focus Recruitment or Focus Group now. And it's still around. I'm a non-exec now. I'm not full-time in that anymore, but it's still running. I landed Telstra in, I think, three months And from Telstra, I landed Belong, from Belong, Amazon Australia, to these other tech companies, to digital agencies, to marketing agencies. And I was recruiting talent to Focus Group and we were charging a fee for that. 
that kind of went really well for me. I didn't grow too much because I wanted to keep it really boutique. So I only had a few employees doing a few bits and pieces for me because I like to take control of that. And I kind of turned it into a lifestyle, but then a boutique agency. So then from focus group, I found love for tech. And this is how I fell into tech. Tech was something that I, again, had no idea about. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know the understanding of software, tech, prop tech. Like I had no idea of these lingos, right? All I knew was I was speaking to these founders in startups. They were raising so much money, like ridiculous amounts of money that I just was mind boggled about. I was like, how can you have an idea and go to somebody and ask them for like $2 million? Like, how is that a thing? If somebody's going to give you $2 million to start a company, what do you mean? This was like the light bulb moment. Am I doing this all wrong? Am I thinking too small? And I absolutely was. I was thinking way too small. From there, I realized tech was the space that I was going to fully focus on. And that was a space that I am still in today. And that is the space now. I think I'm involved in like seven companies at the moment. All of them are tech. All of them are software-based. So web two, web three, I would say. That's how it happened. So light bulb moment was tech founders doing really extremely well, scaling companies really quickly, exiting for millions of dollars, some hundreds of millions of dollars, exiting in two years for like 50 million. It was it was a thing. I was like, this is the thing. I need to be in this. I'm missing out. I'm going to fully focus on it. That's how I ended up in tech. My first gig was BizPay, which is a, a fintech company. And then from there, I went into Marketplace. I went into SaaS. I just sit on boards now, advisory positions or CMO positions, also growth positions. How it works is I work on hybrid models. So they pay half cash and then half equity. If I want to invest into a company, I then pay for equity and I would just sit on the board essentially by giving advice. That's how I got into tech. And that's kind of what I'm doing now. Just to give you an understanding I am involved in around seven companies. I sit on the board. I get paid hybrid models, so retainer and equity. And then whatever profits the company makes, I get paid dividends, depending on how that works. Some, I don't get paid anything until they actually make money. When I get involved in companies, I don't see anything like in terms of dividends or or returns. I don't see anything for years. Like I've been involved in companies for four years and I haven't received a penny at all, except for a retainer and, and some equity that I'm not really getting anything for. You're taking a huge risk on these companies. It's a huge, huge risk. And one in 10 succeed. This is the stat. Not everything is going to go well. Not everything is going to be a winner. You're not going to get an exit on every company you're involved in. It's it's a risk. You have to vet every company you get involved in and make sure you understand the people who's running it. Where's the product at? How's the marketplace reacting to it? It's a lot of experience and a lot of learnings along the way. So I'm still growing. I'm, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Obviously, most people say that, but it, it's nowhere where I want to be. There's so many things I want to do. I eventually want to become an angel investor full-time. That's my goal. That's what I want to do. But in order to do that, you need to exit companies to have capital to be able to invest into these startups. So that's a quick I mean, not really quick, lengthy (laughs) story of how it all started for me and where I'm at at the moment. And I guess the tips for a solo woman startup creating my pitch for investors in 2023. So tips to create a pitch deck 
I really love this question. So tips would be don't overcomplicate your pitch deck. Keep it simple. I read pitch decks every other week and I get so bored when they're over like five pages. I'm bored now. Why is it so long? Just tell me what's the problem, how you're solving it, what's the revenue, who's the team. That's all I want to know. How much capital you need, where's the capital going? Don't overcomplicate the pitch deck. Show the investors how much you're needing, what runway, how long the runway is. Like example, usually early stage startups need 18 months runway to start. So figure out what that runway is for 18 months to cover your overheads. And then that's the capital you would need to raise. Then obviously the problem, how you're going to solve that problem, the marketplace. Is there somebody in the market doing it right now? Is it working? Great. What are you doing to add value or make it better? And then obviously the team is really important. Most investors don't invest into the product. I think most ideas, if not all ideas, are actually great. I think every idea is a good idea. It's the execution that matters and the people that are behind it. So investors invest into the people more than the actual ideas. So make sure you can actually tell a story and be real and vulnerable with the story that you're trying to tell with a product that you're trying to to sell to the world, right? There has to be a story. There has to be a pain somewhere there. There has to be a why. Why are you wanting to do this? Why are you so passionate about it? People invest into people, so make that a thing. So I'm going to move on to the next question. This has come up a lot, this question around feminine and masculine polarities and are they different? Like, What's the dynamic, right? So the question is, I've seen you discuss a male's role as to provide and protect. What would you say is the female's role in a relationship? I get nervous talking about personal stuff more than business. Business, I'm really good at talking about. It's just personal shit. I'm like, I choke up. I'm like, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? I want to be so real with you. I really do. This podcast is really important to me because I feel like there's a lot of people that judge me from what they see and they don't really know me fully. What you see online isn't all of me and I'm not that alpha, boss, masculine, savage, sassy girl you see on LinkedIn and Instagram. I am like a really soft, feminine, girly, airy, fairy kind of girl as well behind the scenes. And a lot of people don't see that because it's a business page and I post a lot of business stuff, but that's totally not who I am. So I'm hoping that along this journey, you guys get to know me more by doing these solo episodes. 12 months ago, I was in a committed relationship for a few years and then we had a break and we got back together and we've been really trying to work on the relationship and it flourishing and growing and really trying to create that feminine and masculine energy together as a couple. And this person is one of probably the biggest highlights in my life when it comes to my business and my mindset. Yes, we've had many issues along the way, but I'm all for working things out, what's in front of me versus looking on the other side of the fence. It's only better where you water the garden. It's not necessarily better on the other side. 
a lot of the mindset that I had around relationships was, oh, like it's got to be equal and I don't care if I make more. And if I make more, he can come work for me and we can build an empire together and take on the world and do these amazing things. Let me just fucking say right now really quick, you as a female are not supposed to protect and provide and make money. You are supposed to support, be nurturing, take care of the home, take care of your man, take care of the family, take care of yourself first and the rest comes later. You should never be put in a situation of survival mode. I don't believe that a woman should be a provider. I don't believe a woman should protect. That is a man's job. When people come to me and they say, B, what is like the top five things you you want in a man? Like, what is it that you want? You seem too complicated. What is it? All I want is I want a provider and I want a protector. I want somebody to provide so I'm able to step into my full feminine energy and I know that I'm going to be taken care of and I know that I can take care of myself and I'm independent and yes, all those fucking things. But most, if not all independent women and most, you know, are in denial, unfortunately, sorry, ladies, you are, they say that they're independent and all these things, but they're hurting inside. Like they want to be taken care of. Like they're screaming for help. They're screaming of insecurities because this whole like survival masculinity energy that they're holding on to, this is like all pain. This is trauma shit. I believe a woman is so much more powerful when she's in her feminine energy. The more that women realize this, the better. So a woman should be nurturing, supportive, soft, caring, loving, the light of the night or the family or the day or whatever. Like she's the butterfly. The man is the protector. The man needs to provide and protect. The dynamics between a female's role in a relationship and a male's is a female's supposed to be supportive, obviously, as I did say, and nurturing, and a man should provide and protect. When you provide and protect, it's also providing a safe environment for a woman. And when a woman feels safe in her environment, that's when she flourishes the most. When I feel safe in in front of someone or I feel comfortable and I feel at home, that's when I'm my best. That's when I'm myself. But I'm not myself if I'm feeling like I need to pay for a bill. If I'm in a relationship, I believe the man should pay for all of those things. The man should have his woman. And I'm not saying that the woman should just be successful on her own and then take all her money and build her own little empire on the side. No, absolutely not. I think there's conversations that need to happen along the way for the woman's capital or something, you know, that they can do together or build a family trust or something like that, that there's things they can do together. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that a man should protect and provide in all costs. It's a necessity. Women need to be looked after, period. I will end that question. I got so many really strange questions around freezing eggs. There was a few questions that popped up and I just want to answer this one that came up and it said, views on freezing a woman's eggs. I'm 30 and have just read that some women by my age have lost 90% of the eggs. I am not a doctor and please don't take my advice. I'm just giving you my opinions. So I'm 32 at the moment. I haven't freezed my eggs. It's not something that I'm worried about. 
to be honest. It's conversations I've definitely had with my girlfriends about because my girlfriends are much older than me, a lot of them anyway. It's conversations that we talk about all the time, but I am a bit airy-fairy where I'm all about energy and manifesting and leaving it in God's hands. I truly believe that if it's supposed to happen for you, it will happen. And if it's not supposed to happen, it won't happen. Again, this is my opinion. Please don't take offense to it because I know a lot of people struggle with this a lot. For me, I'm talking on my side. I am just all about if God wants me to be a mom, I will be a mom. If God doesn't want me to be a mom, I won't be a mom. I'm not going to force nature to happen if it doesn't want to happen. That is my answer to that. So uh, however you want to take that, please take that however you want to take it. But that's just my opinion. And that's where I'm at with the whole freezing the eggs. Now, I have a question again around masculine and femininity. This kept coming up. I want to go into like the whole relationship and business in between and what I think about that. So the question here on NGL is, what do you think the general view of a high value woman is from the female's perspective? And does it differ from what men generally view a high-value woman to be. Also vice versa for a high-value man. My opinion for a high-value woman is to respect their man. Their man needs to be somewhat superior to them or above them for them to respect the man. So respect is number one. Number two is supportive. Supportive of the man supporting his journey, supporting what he needs to do, understanding that he needs to make sacrifices to take care of the home, to pay for those bills, to pay for your lifestyle, to pay for the family, to look after you, look after the family. And I would say number three would be someone that's really understanding and and communicative to a point where you guys can understand one another's values and where you are at in life and whether that's aligned and really trying to bring the alignment in consistently would be on my side for a high value woman. From a high value man is again, providing, protecting and keeping the space safe. So providing, protecting, safe. And then for a woman, it is supportive, respect and communicative. The next question is, with all that has happened over the past six months, what do you think the future looks like for NFTs and crypto? This is something that I don't really want to talk about or get into too much, but I will talk about it a little bit because it is a question and I'm going to answer most of these as I did say. My views on Web3 and the future of Web3 and where it's going, it's definitely something I'm focusing on this year. Again, we are working on a really big project at the moment, which is real estate tokenization. We're super excited about it. And there's other things that we've got going on in the background as well to do with Web3. But let me just say this. If you are wanting to dabble into the Web3 or crypto or blockchain and all of these words, they use NFTs and all these crazy things, right? I believe you need to have a foundation. And what I mean by that is if you don't have a product or an audience or something that's already working in the Web 2, why are you going to go start something in Web 3? Why are you going to go create an NFT? You need to have something happening in Web 2 first. Start in Web 2. I post about this often. Start something in Web 2. Build that. Build an audience. Make sure that your product is working in Web 2 first. And if you see fit 
for something in the Web3 to go into your Web2 product, absolutely go for it. Web3 is not going to make you rich. It's the biggest risk on earth, bigger than Web2. My advice, if you're thinking about getting into crypto or Web3, first of all, do your own research. D-Y-O-R is like a term that they use in the Web3 space. Definitely go and do your own research first. But if you don't have a product or if you don't understand Web2, then don't go and start something in Web3, please. I beg you. It's ridiculous. It's beyond. Keep it simple, guys. My advice on NFTs for brands, I definitely believe a lot of brands that have the audience and the capabilities already in a Web2. I think there's a lot of angles that they can take in like loyalty programs and create a ton of value by giving a digital asset to a customer and that digital asset having tons of like value add within the brand. For example, if I give my customer a digital asset and then if they have a digital asset from my brand, then they get access to one-on-one coaching with me for free. They get access to all my events for free. They get access to huge discounts upfront to my services. They get access to my products first that I build. They get to see my ideas and that I pitch to investors first. There has to be a value add ongoing if you're going to create an NFT to give to your audience for them to actually buy one. So create value first. What's the value? And it has to be ongoing like a business. You can't just create an NFT and cash grab and run away. You need to continuously reinvest that money into the NFT or the business because an NFT is a business and continuously create value back into the people that own the NFTs. By the way, an NFT uh, is a non-fungible token for anybody that doesn't know. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next question. This question is really deep, so bear with me on this answer. All we have is conditioning, behavior, and consequences. Sometimes in life, unfortunate things present either a challenge or an opportunity, but to perceive them as an opportunity, your mind is left with a choice, or is it a choice? This is a great question because I think I had to read that like twice to really understand what the question was. So my answer to this question is a really good friend of mine, shout out to AD. We had dinner one time in South Yarra. I have a really good memory depending on the moments, like they have to make me feel something or I have to feel a type of way to to remember things. And I remember this moment because it made me feel a type of way. And I remember I was going through something at the time in my life, a personal situation. I asked him a question and I said, AD, do you believe everything in life is a choice or do we just kind of go with the flow and live our life and leave it to God's hands and mother nature? And this goes back to the whole egg freezing thing. And this could be a little bit of a contradiction here on my end. He said to me, let me explain to you in visual terms because I'm a visual person and he knows that. So he put two knives and a fork down and sat them side by side with a gap in between them. This is you at the bottom of the knife. You have something happening to you in your life at the time. Hypothetically, I'm saying, let's just say you're married and you don't know if you want to get a divorce because if you get a divorce, you've got to part ways financially. It's a headache. But if you get the divorce, then you're going to be happy. So he drew the line as, let's say, you decide to get a divorce, your line goes here. If you decide not to get a divorce, your line goes there. And then from whatever choice you make from that moment, you go, again, you have an option A, B. You can see where I'm going with this. Every time you make a choice, you have an option of A or B that you choose. 
what he was trying to say to me is, B, everything in life is absolutely a choice. God doesn't guide you to those choices. It's your choice to make. God doesn't make that choice for you. You have to make that choice for yourself. And whatever that choice is will guide you to the next thing that God has planned for you. My answer to that is you will definitely have a sacrifice in everything, in every choice that you make. Regardless, everybody has to sacrifice something for for having something, right? So I believe that everything is absolutely a choice. And there's always a sacrifice, but there's always an opportunity. And that's just the way that I see life. So that would be my answer to the last bit. But to perceive them as an opportunity, your mind is left with a choice or is it a choice? So my answer is it's definitely a choice. It's your choice. And whatever choice you make, you have A or B to make after that. And A or B is in God's hands, but it's absolutely your choice on whatever you want to make from A or B. It's definitely your choice. Next question. There's so many questions that I want to answer and I feel like I'm running out of time. So I had a lot of people asking me, my question for you is, would you invest in a company other than tech, beauty, wellness, brands, retail, etc.? No, I don't A, invest or B, get involved in any companies that I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a fake it till you make it type of gal. I'm do it and then kind of make it. I need to be in the trenches. I needed to have a lot of experience to to be able to make sure I'm giving the right advice to that business. So consumer is not my space. Business to business is. Technology, software, marketing, brands, recruitment is my industry and my space. I don't know anything else outside of that. And I wouldn't get involved in those businesses because I do not know how to scale it or how to make it successful. So my answer to those questions that we're asking is is a no. So everything I do touch is definitely within software or overall tech, web two, web three. The questions kept roaming around business and, and relationships. And there was a question that popped up about how many exes I had, which was quite fucking funny because <laughs> I actually haven't been with many people, to be fair. I think I've had six relationships in my life. One of them was eight years. And then after eight years, I had a few relationships after that. Dating, being with people, breaking up with them, getting back with them. I'm a long-term girl, so I like to be in long-term relationships. I do have commitment issues. It's really hard for me to commit, which is something that I'm still working on. It's been a lengthy process and it's still something, a working progress I'm trying to work on. Commitment issues because of my upbringing and a lot of other things, uh, independence a lot of opportunity, a lot of choices, a lot of things to do with commitment. So yes, I've got about six relationships, six exes, and that is that. Okay. I have been going on for quite some time on this podcast. I'm going to try and get in a few more questions here. It's really hard, guys, because there's so many questions that came through and I really want to answer everything. There are some that keep coming up around women in the workplace. At work, do you get stereotyped or judged as an attractive woman? And how do you feel about being attractive in the tech space? And how is this looked upon? I don't want to answer this in a way that comes across not real, because I want to be real with you guys. This is why I'm doing this solo episode is for you to get to know me and be more real about who I am and you know what I think and how I think and you know, all of that. I've struggled with this for a very long time and it's something that I still really struggle with a little bit, but I just take less bullshit 
and I'm a bit more savage with it in my approach, but I also use it to my advantage because a lot of people would laugh and judge at that. Most women do. And for women that say that they don't are absolutely lying to you. I think every woman in a male-dominant industry, every woman in a corporate industry, every woman that is in on equal terms as a man in terms of career in that space has definitely more of an advantage than a man. And this is why I'm not a feminist, because I believe that women have such power in dominating the space more than men, because there's less women doing it. And it's not a normal thing. And when a woman comes in and dominates the space, it's different. And people want to know, ooh, like, who is this girl? Like, where did she come from? Why is she pretty? Like, what is going on? And the thing is, it gives them this like mysterious vibe. And I come across quite mysterious because people always question and always have a question mark in their head. Like, what is it that you actually do? Because they don't believe half the shit that I say. They don't believe half the shit that I get involved in because it's not typical for a woman like me to do what I do. It's not. I, I don't wear glasses. I'm not somewhat overweight. I don't, I'm not in suits all day. I, I don't wear you know, makeup. My hair's not short. I I don't know. Like I don't have blue hair. I'm not the typical woman that would be in this space. So it's not normal. And and they don't understand. Look, from their side, I've looked at this from their side many times and I've questioned to why they would think that of me. I don't blame them because I've had moments where I've, you know, thought or questioned myself, like, you know, why am I doing this when I can just go and be an influencer or be in fashion or like do something that women do and dominate that. But that just didn't come to me um, because I love what I do and I truly believe I'm on a mission to do great things in the space. So I'm forever going to do this. But I just want to say women that think that they have this disadvantage in the workplace over men, you are absolutely wrong. You being a woman in a male dominant industry, you have so much power, so much leverage in that. Use it to your advantage. I had one of the richest men in Australia come to me. He looked at me and he said, Belinda, if I looked like you, walked like you and talked like you, I would be a fucking billionaire. Use that to your advantage. Leverage your beauty. And women that have looks and beauty and sass and charisma and a great personality can go very, very, very far. So don't take it in a negative way. Use it to your advantage, please, women. Do it more. Be more positive about it. A lot of questions, again, people were asking around my life and whether I want to get married. Do I want kids? What's my future? I absolutely cannot wait to get married. I cannot wait for the day that I walk down that aisle in God's house and say I do. I cannot wait for the day until I fall pregnant with tears and, and a smile down my face and, and being pregnant and being in the moment of, of really being in my feminine energy and growing a human inside of me. It's what God created me to do. And I absolutely cannot wait to procreate and give back to this earth. This is why women are, are women is because they need to procreate. They need to have children to give back. And, and this is my doing as a woman. I believe me not being a mother and not married, I feel like I'm not fully myself. I feel 
lost because I'm not a mom. I'm not married. And some people would get this. Some people won't. And each to their own. For me, I'm on a different journey. And my journey now is I cannot wait to be a mom. I cannot wait to be a, a wife. And also, I cannot wait to, you know, keep building who I am and keep growing as an individual and keep being savvy in my businesses. I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to stop what I'm doing. I'm not trying to be a boss bitch, all these um, terms that people use online. I am just trying to do my best. I want to do what I love. I want to wake up every day and do what I love to do. And I also want to have a husband. I also want to have children. I want all of it. I want the dog. I want the house. I want to travel. I, I want it all. Like, why not? You know, people ask me, like, what is it, looks or personality? Like, why not both? Why do I have to choose? Why can't I have it all? I'm not trying to say that I'm looking for this perfect man and, you know, nothing's perfect in life. Absolutely. I have deal breakers and there are alignment issues. There's value issues. And if our values and alignments don't align, then absolutely, that's a deal breaker for me. So I'm not going to continue with someone or something that, you know, has deal breakers. So, yes, I cannot wait to, to be a mom and a wife. There was also questions around my five-year plan, my current situation, six months to five years, what I'm going to do, what's the roadmap, what does that look like? 2023 is here, we're in January. What's your goals, ambitions? Tell me. I cannot believe I'm announcing this on the podcast. This is crazy. I don't really like to talk too much about my goals and ambitions because I believe in the evil eye and I believe in not everybody has good aura or like good thoughts and they don't support everything that you do or, or, or say. And there's a lot of jealous people in the world. So I do and won't really disclose most of it. However, I will disclose I am looking to move overseas for a while this year. Don't know how long for to obviously explore the business world more with Xnabler. There's a lot of our clients overseas in USA and Europe, and there's a lot of opportunities over there in the Web 2 and Web 3 space with things that we want to do project-wise. So just so you know, Xnabler is a development company. So we scale projects within the dev house. We've got about 100 devs at the moment all over overseas and in Australia. We build projects in Web 2 predominantly and then Web 3. So my goal is to explore Web 3 and blockchain more so in Europe um, and USA. So my plan is to go overseas to do that for the most. And secondly, is to really work on myself and my self-growth more so this year. I really want to get to know B. Who is Belinda? Why does she do what she do? Why does she want what she wants? How does she feel? Where's her heart? Where's her head? I want to really work on my trauma and my upbringing and how that really shaped me today because I'm still working on that at the moment. So there's a lot of things that I, I want to do with that this year. I also want to get involved in a couple more startups, which I'm not going to talk too much about, but there's a startup that I'm looking at at the moment and working with amazing people in a fintech space and also a prop tech space and then a Web3 project. So there are things in the pipeline for me. I don't want to talk about it too much, but that's really exciting. And I just really want to focus on Xnabler more so because that is my focus. And then everything outside that is outside that. So that's kind of my roadmap. So self-growth, growth in the business, growth on myself, stepping more into my feminine energy and power and really getting to know Belinda more. And then I just want to really wrap up the podcast and kind of end it in a couple more questions and, and kind of mold it into one. 
there was a feminine tip that I left on my Instagram a while ago and I just want to read it to you guys because I think it's super important for you guys to remember as women why we should be in our feminine energy and why it's important. So the feminine tip I have is if you keep acting like you are capable of doing everything, you will get stuck doing everything. Feminine women know this. Stop dating men that bring out the survival in you rather than the softness in you. So I want to leave that to women because I know a lot of women that follow me are somewhat independent and and chasing their career and doing all these amazing things and have these ideas, which I think is amazing. And I think every woman should have independence in some form or some way. However, don't lose your feminine side along the way because we are not born by Biologically, as a man, masculine energy is not in our nature. Yes, we have parts of it that we use to add to do business because masculine is needed in business to do really well and be successful. But I want women to really step into their feminine energy more so in 2023. And that's a messaging that I'm going to keep putting out to the world. I want to see women have babies. I want to see women get married. I want to see women step into their full feminine energy and be a boss too. Like, why not have it all? So that would be my last kind of wrap up for the feminine and masculine polarity side. And then I think with the business side, there was a few questions around how do I start a business and and what do I do and what's your tips and fundamentals and do you have any secrets that you can give me to why you're successful and how you got where you are and how you've built the brand that you've built and why businesses always want to work with you and how you've built such a big audience. I just kind of want to end that in a reply to a motto that I live by. And it's literally so simple and it is no risk, no story. I know that sounds so cliche because a lot of people talk about no risk, no story, but I am all for taking risks The reason why I stepped into Web3 is because it's all about taking risks. There's rug pulls, there's people losing money, there's millions, if not billions of dollars that have been lost. Like Everybody knows about the FTX thing blow up that happened. I don't want to get into that, but I'm not here to talk about that too much. I'm here to just talk about more personal stuff than business. I just want to leave with you that if you are not willing to take risks in your life, you are not willing to take risks in your business. And if you're not willing to take risks, then don't do it. Don't start it. Be the average Joe Blow that works nine to five and has a comfortable living and comes home with a hundred thousand plus salary each year and and be comfortable with that. If you're happy with that, do that. But that's not how I want to be. And to be fair, I would love to be that guy because sometimes when I look at people like that, I'm like, holy shit, you've got it so easy. Like you have no stress whatsoever. But it's just not in my DNA. I'm all about taking risks. I'm all about fighting for what I want. I'm all about getting what I want. And if I don't get it, I'll find a way. And if somebody tells me that I can't have it, I will think of a way to have it. So my last words are no risk, no story. Take risks so you can have a story. So a story, you can tell the story to the world. And there's a lot of things that you can do with that story and approach the world, build an audience with your story. I have a really amazing story and upbringing and how it all happened for me. And I think a lot of people have read some stuff and how it happened. My background I came from a um, alcoholic mother, single mom. She was homeless for a while. Don't know my father. Really crazy upbringing to being in survival mode my, my whole life. So I think that you need to take risks in life to have a story. And if you don't experience things, then you're not going to be able to know what you want to do. So taste a lot of stuff. Like Gary V says, taste a ton. 
before you actually figure it out because you're not going to figure it out if you don't taste. So taste a lot as well. That is all the questions I'm going to answer for today. I want to say a huge thank you to all of you listening to this podcast. It means the world to me. And this is something that I am going to try and do continuously. In 2023, I'm bumping up my episodes. I've tried to tell Darcy who runs my podcast. He's amazing, by the way, pro podcasters. Let's shout them out. So he and I are working on doing two episodes a month. So instead of one, I'm going to be releasing two episodes. I've got two major guests coming on early this year. I'm really excited to share that with you soon. And I'm going to start doing more and more episodes and pumping them out. I just love love talking to people, love picking people's brain. And I really want to get that out more to you guys. So if there's any tips or anything that you can give me in feedback or anything or anyone that you want to get on the podcast, let me know. But 2023 is going to be better, bigger on this podcast. I promise. Let's do this again. This was fun. If this is something you want to see more of, let me know and I will do this again for sure. And then we can even like you know, make it fun and create certain topics, one for business, one for personal, one for relationships. I'm happy to do that. But thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It means the world. Please, if you haven't subscribed or liked the actual podcast, can you please go and click that button, like it, subscribe, share it with people that you think that will relate to this podcast. That would mean the world to me because the more that you share, the more that people can see the podcast and more value it can bring to people's lives. We uh, get all the guests that come on the show, they get their stories listened to as well. So thank you again for listening to the podcast. Thanks for listening to Startups and Unicorns with Belinda Agnew. If you haven't already, be sure to follow the show. X-Enabler is your one-stop tech innovation partner, creating unmatched digital solutions and turning tech visions into a reality. For more information, visit xenabler.digital. Get in touch with Belinda by following at Belinda Agnew Official.